The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And a special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 11 Westward Ho Outside, there were passengers standing around the train car. They were just sitting on their luggage and blankets that they had pulled from the cars. They all seemed to stop as we walked by. We caught up with Odysseus as we reached the engine. It looked like a bear had torn itself free from the inside. The boiler was ripped open. The carriage was only half there, and the coal cart was still on fire. The porters swarmed around, trying to put it out with buckets of water and blankets. The dragon cannon sat on the tracks in the distance. It was a cannon, we heard, said Paris. She kept walking to see the cannon. Odysseus and I followed. When she got up to it, she set down my case of books and began to pet it on the head like a dog. Good boy, she said. Aren't you beautiful? She looked at me and Odysseus. It's Chinese, she said, almost giggling. Like me, she whispered, as she turned back to it. It took out the train. I stood next to her. Do you think we can take it with us? Paris asked. I turned to Odysseus. No, said Odysseus. We don't need a cannon. It seems to have a horse team and cart of its own, I pointed to the cart off to the side of the tracks. Yes, but we don't have men to drive it, or food for the horses. We are getting off the train earlier than we planned, and we will have to ration what we have. I'm sorry, there's just no way we can take the cannon. Besides, why would you need one? You're not planning to start a war, are you? Odysseus stared at me. No, I lied. Then you don't need it. I'm going to check on the carriage, and we should be almost ready. Don't keep everyone waiting. Odysseus turned and went back to the train. As I stood next to Paris, our hands fell into each other's, and we paused for a second, admiring the artwork. It's so pretty, remarked Paris. And deadly. Look what it did to the train. Hey, the train is dead. And it will probably just sit here in the wilderness to rust. That's what you wished for. Are you saying this is my fault? No, 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 no. I'm saying you made a wish, and the gods listened. I stepped into her so that our bodies touched. The question is, what else have you wished for? I squeezed her hand, and she smiled at me. We can't just leave it here, though. I'm sorry, my love. This time it looks like you have to choose. Do you want me or a cannon? I looked into her eyes. You, of course, but so you admit it, I interrupted. What? You do want me. I... It's okay. You've made a good choice. I promise. I took her elbow as we turned from the cannon. She grabbed my books. Because in the future, at the earliest opportunity, I will buy you one of your own, and then you can have both me and a cannon. You'll buy me a cannon. Absolutely. It's what good girlfriends do. We walked back to the train, past the passenger cars, to where the cattle and the freight were stored. Odysseus watched over several men unloading. Castor, dressed in his tuxedo, 
walked up to meet us. Stopping before us, he looked over, as if taking inventory. His eyes stopped at our hands. He raised one eyebrow. Paris pulled her hand back from mine and hid it behind her back. Let me take your case. Castor held out his hand. Paris handed it to him. Castor, don't be so stiff. We can trust her. She's my friend, I said. As Castor stared silently, if his eyebrow could get higher, it did. I'm sorry I didn't get the chance to warn you, but I didn't know that Mr. Miller wasn't coming until the last minute when Miss Lee showed up instead. Don't worry, we're getting along famously. She is a much better choice. I'll load the books for you. Is there anything else you need? No, thank you, Castor. Just be sure to put it in the cabin. Of course. Castor gave a slight bow, then turned and walked off towards the men unloading the carriage. Isn't he the best? I asked. Have you known him long? Oh, yes. I've known him all my life. He is taking his role as butler a little seriously, though. He won't say it, but I think he's happy to be out here with us. As the cattle car was being unloaded, Paris caught sight of her horse pony. She took my hand again and rushed forward to meet the mare coming down the ramp. Taking the reins, she led it the rest of the way down and off to the side. She gave it a hug and petted it on its nose, whispering into its ear, "'Good girl!' Oh, did you miss me? There's someone I want you to meet. Stepping back, she pointed to me. Pony, this is Helen. Helen, Pony. She's so beautiful. I began to pet the tan horse. But she's not a pony. She's too big. I know. She was a Mustang, probably only about six weeks, maybe ten. She had fallen into a ravine, and her herd left her behind. My father took her back to the ranch. She was cut and limping, and there was an infection. She didn't have much of a chance. My mother said her leg was probably broken, and offered to shoot her for me. My father said if I could set the bone, he could help with the infection. I never set a bone on a horse before, but the alternative was we let her die, so there was nothing to lose. Trouble was keeping her off her feet. We had to tie her up so that she was suspended above the stall in the barn we kept her in. We had so many ropes crisscrossing through her stall, she looked like she had been caught by a giant spider. It took a little more than two months, and most of the time she was mad as a hornet. Eventually, she got used to me and stopped struggling. I must have done something right, or her leg had just been sprained and the bone had never really been broken, because after she got her legs back, the one that she injured never seemed to bother her again. My father told me that tying her up had broken her, that she was no longer wild, he said, in her mind, I was her herd now, and that I would have to keep her. It made me sad somehow, but also unbelievably happy. Dad called her Pony. At the time, she was not yet a year old, but as she got bigger and proved the name wrong, it was kind of too late to change it. So, you did have a girlfriend before me, I teased while hiding behind Pony. I'm so jealous. It's not like that. I've Never ridden a horse. Will you teach me? I don't have a side saddle, so to do this we would need to get you some pants. Well, if I ever manage to get your pants off, I could borrow them. Shh! We're not alone. Someone is good to hear you talk like that. So what if they do? I like teasing you. You get so flustered. They're going to think we're strange. But my love, 
We are strange. Odysseus approached us. I could feel him trying to listen in, but I just smiled and quieted my voice so that he had to come closer. Odysseus, if you're going to eavesdrop, you're going to have to walk a little quieter than that. Anna, Odysseus addressed Paris, ignoring me. I need to speak with Helen for a moment, if we could have a little privacy. Paris looked immediately suspicious, but felt that as long as she could keep an eye on us, that I would probably be safe, and she could trust Odysseus if no one else. Certainly. Helen, I'm going to see the cattle master about feed for pony. If you need me, just yell, I'll come running. Of course. Don't worry, I'll be fine. Odysseus waited until Paris was out of earshot before asking, How are you doing? I'm fine. Why? You were just in a gunfight. I was, but I'm fine. No one shot me. See? I twirled back and forth a little. How are you and Anna getting along? Anna? Your bodyguard. Oh, you mean Penny, I lied. Her name is Anna. Are you sure? Who am I? Odysseus. Oscar. Are you sure? You know what the doctor said. You remember before we left. You promised Lucy you would use people's real names. She doesn't mind. She knows who I am. What's the first rule? Don't lie to yourself, I said, just barely loud enough to be heard. Why is that the first rule? Because if you lie to yourself, you won't be able to tell what's real and what's not. That's right. And what is my name? Oscar. And what is your bodyguard's name? Anna. I do care about you, you know. I'm just trying to do what's best for you. I know, but what if I'm not lying to myself? What if I'm only lying to you? Who do you think she is? My bodyguard? Who do you think she is the reincarnation of? Well, isn't it obvious? She's Penthesilia, the queen of the Amazons, my bodyguard. Won't Mr. Miller be happy to find out, as long as he doesn't kill her first? You think she's likely to find him attractive? Attractive? Probably not. But they have fought already. <gasps> they did? Who won? How did it go? She tore him to pieces. I've never seen him so mad. It was hilarious. So, she's already beaten Achilles. That's amazing. Not Achilles. Aaron Miller. I can't humor you in this game anymore. I know. It's just that Penny is so incredible. I'm so happy you chose her. You did choose her, right? Why Penny? You've never given anyone else a nickname before? Because Penthesilia is such a mouthful, I can never quite pronounce it right. And Odysseus is not. Is that what you're upset about? Do you want a nickname of your own? How about Odious? That's hardly an improvement. I know. I'll call you Odie. You will call me Oscar. We agreed. If you say so. Come on. The carriage should be ready now. I'll help you up. Odysseus led me to the carriage, where Paris was waiting. Having tied Pony to a lead by the back, as she was planning to ride with me, Odysseus gave Paris the same instructions entering the carriage that, according to the negotiated contract, only Paris and I are allowed in the carriage, 
and that she has the authority to shoot anyone else trying to enter, but please don't shoot him in case of an emergency. She agreed. Odysseus helped me into the carriage, and then offered his hand to Paris, but instead she just stopped and looked at him. Give me the key, Paris said, flat and quiet. You don't need it. I'll keep it. Her safety is my responsibility. If I need to leave this carriage, I don't want to have to wait for you. Give me the key. No, Odysseus refused. I am your superior. You work for me, and you will do as I say, insisted Odysseus. Paris slipped the gun from her hip and pointed it at him. Give me the key, or I will shoot you, Paris said. You wouldn't dare, Odysseus took a step back. I don't know. What does your contract say, if I decide that you are a threat to Helen? You'd better do it, Odie. I promised Penelope I would send you home in one piece, I said, while hanging my head out the carriage. My wife's name is Lucy, Odysseus explained, as he pulled on the ribbon around his wrist, revealing the key. He slipped it off and slowly handed it to Paris. My name is Oscar, and I am not the reincarnation of Odysseus. Only time will tell, won't it? How much time do you think? Ten years? I will want that key back when we're done. We shall see, said Paris, as she put away her gun and stepped up into the carriage. Odysseus walked away to check on the other wagons. It's probably a better idea for Anna to hold on to the key, he thought, but he hated to lose that key. Paris sat next to me in the carriage. She bounced up and down a little, testing the soft cushion. Here, she said, and handed me the key. You're giving it to me? I asked slowly, as I held it in my palm like it was water and would spill out if I was not careful. I am not your jailer, Paris said a touch of annoyance and guilt in her voice, and no one is going to turn me into one. No, you're not, are you? I touched her softly on the chin and pulled her gently till she looked me in the eyes. Thank you. I kissed her as tears fell from my eyes. She had set me free. I was still in the carriage, but by my choice, I had the key. Besides the carriage, there was an open wagon carrying boxes of supplies and food for the horses, and the covered wagon with tents and food for us. The other men traveling with us were a carriage driver and a horse master who drove the open cart, a wagon master and his son who drove the covered wagon, a cook, a roustabout, Odysseus, and Castor. There were nine horses, two for the carriage, two for each wagon, one for Odysseus, one for the roustabout, plus Paris's Mustang Pony. Paris and I sat in the carriage. Our feet crossed. Our legs could not stop rubbing against each other. I had not ridden in a carriage much, and never before on a road this rough. So no matter where or what position we sat in, in time it would become uncomfortable. We would move, sitting together, sitting on the floor, laying across the bench, our heads in each other's laps. A new game began, a game of touching. No matter the position or how we would move about the relatively large, four-carriage, cabin, some part of us had to remain touching, our hands, our feet, some part of me had to touch some part of her at all times. And when 
I could no longer contain myself, I would sneak a kiss. She would blush and look to see if anybody outside was looking in at us. I would calm her by telling her not to fret so much. No one would think anything of it, because it was just what good girlfriends do. It always seemed to work. She would calm down and sneak a kiss of her own. We also read from my book collection. She read all the penny novels about the detective in San Francisco first, then began reading through the westerns, giggling at the inaccuracies. I read and reread the same book of poetry. Odysseus decided that to gain time, and because this lake of the road was relatively straight and safe, that we would ride through the first night. When it was too dark to read, I began to tell her stories of the gods and the creation of the world. She sat against the corner. I sat against her. Her arms wrapped around me. She told me about her parents. And to my surprise, some of it was a story I already knew. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, read by Paris Lee. Artwork by me, Helen Lee. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of my artwork and Paris's writing at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. This podcast was made with the love and support of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Thank you.